Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. And Jim, you don't have kids, so you, you, you're looking at this from a different angle than myself. Mm-hmm. But you lo- love seeing stories in the news about parents who are upset. Yeah, over very minor things when it comes to their kids. This is a Calgary... I may be wrong, by the way. This is a Calgary mother upset after her daughter was sent home with a note taped to her body. So next week they have parent-teacher interviews. We all remember Uh those uh, coming up. And there was a note, and it it simply said on it, parents, parent-teacher conferences are coming up Thursday. Uh, evening and Friday morning, we could, we would like to meet with all the parents to go over kindergarten, uh, early years evaluation results. If you have not been able to book an appointment uh, time online, please contact the office and they will make an appointment for you. Thank you. Now, their daughter's four years old in uh, junior kindergarten. Was uh, the note taped to her forehead? <laughs> it, was taped, <laughs> it was taped to her chest. So that's a long note. <laughs> <laughs> it was taped to her chest with masking tape. And then so when the mom took her daughter's winter coat, off, uh-huh. There's there the note. was this this note. Now the mom said, uh, this is a quote from the article, this is from Global News. She comes home with the friggin' note taped to her chest like she's some kind of dummy or I'm some kind of idiot. So, <laughs> is she said friggin'? Friggin'. Friggin', but then in, in uh, parentheses, sick, S-I-C, I think that means... She said something along those lines, and then they replaced it. Is that what that means, Dev? Yeah. Can we can we rule it out though? <laughs> or maybe it was a full blown swear. Well, no. I, the, just the way Jim did her voice makes her sound like an idiot. Well, too. she also said when she opened the. Or wait, hold on. Uh, she also said, "I had seen the note. <laughs> <laughs> I'd already so, seen it, you guys. So I don't know. <laughs> now, I guess I thought she reached out to the media herself, and she may have, but she also wrote a note on Facebook, and I don't know if it went viral or something like that, and that's okay. how Global News found out about it. But she said her daughter was visibly upset when her daughter came home and confused about why a note was taped to her. This all may be true, but is this not a giant overreaction? Uh-huh. You know, if I was four, I could barely bring a, a permission slip home when I was in grade eight. I would always forget it at school, you know, or I'd leave it in my backpack till oh, it was here. too late. When do you get, uh, I went to Catholic school. When do you get confirmed? When's your confirmation? Your confirmation's in, grade eight. Grade eight? Or grade seven, maybe. I never got confirmed because I forgot to bring home the permission <laughs> slip. <laughs> Consider yourself lucky. That was just a waste of time. <laughs> well, until I'm at the pearly gates. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, so, uh, what's the date of your confirmation? <laughs> oh. Yikes. But we had to take, like, night classes for confirmation for, like, 14 weeks or something. Anyway. Yeah. I, so, in grade eight, I still wasn't bringing home permission slips. <laughs> They should have taped them to my chest. But, but it's not like it was like your daughter's acting up. This is the no, note of shame. Your kid's a moron. It's, they just wanted to make sure the parents saw it. I do understand if that's not the delivery method you uh, would like from the teachers to communicate about your child. Then probably the best thing to do before you go on social media and create a big issue out of it or you, you call the news, maybe call the teacher. If you if you had told the teacher five times, quit set taping notes to my child, yes. <laughs> and they kept doing it, then I understand going to the next level. In this article, the mother says she has not spoken directly to the teacher uh-huh. who allegedly taped the note to her daughter's chest. 
That's just a friggin' stupid parent move right yeah, there. It's this, uncivil. This parent just sounds like a pill. Like, <laughs> I'm on the teacher's side on this one. Yes. Yeah. Well, also, she was going to have an opportunity to talk to the teacher face-to-face. Yeah. If she had just read the note that was taped to her kid, she knows parent-teacher interviews are the following week. Bring it up yeah, then. Yeah, that's going to be an awkward little half an hour, ain't it? <laughs> And Mike Babcock got canned yesterday. Coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Devin Peacock, you're wearing your Babs socks this morning. I am. I'm in. I'm wearing them in solidarity with uh, Mike Babcock. You don't think he deserved to get fired? Well, I mean, I can. I understand the firing. I do not think he is most to blame. However, it is clear that his system did not match with this team. And based on the statement he gave after he was fired yesterday, it sounds as though he was not getting along with some of the, the main players on the team. Like, he thanked Morgan Riley and Morgan Riley only. <laughs> he thanked Larry uh, Tannenbaum, not uh, anyone else in the organization. He, he no Austin the, Matthews. No Austin Matthews. No John Tavares. I don't think he had a problem with John Tavares. But two years ago, do remember, after they were beaten by Boston in the playoffs... He went down to Arizona to reconcile things with Matthews because he kind of benched him in the third period of the deciding game. And so even you go back two years ago, Austin Matthews and Mike Babcock started to have some issues that you could see come to fruition yesterday. Here is the uh, president of the Toronto Maple Leafs organization, Brendan Shanahan, talking about the decision. Uh, It wasn't an easy conversation to have. It wasn't uh, pleasant. Um, uh, Days like today are not. uh, But it was what we felt was important for the club and something once you realize that there's something that you uh, should do and have to do, then it's best to act on it. Babcock is gone. Leaf fans, what do you guys think? Yeah, this definitely had to be done. Something had to be done. They tinkered enough around with the players. They need time to gel, right? You can't just keep changing players, changing players, changing players. But, uh, yeah, coaches are hired to be fired, basically. So, usually the scapegoat, any time a team starts uh, not performing well, it usually falls on the coach, unfortunately. And, yeah, Babcock's one hell of a coach, and I wish him the best uh, wherever he ends up. Probably Seattle. Is this... Uh, Seattle. Is this Dubas's last chance, Dev? If it doesn't work with Sheldon Keefe, do you think Dubas will be fired by the Toronto Maple Leafs organization? I think it's a real possibility. Like, firing the coach is like your last bullet, and after that, where do you go for change? Because he's painted himself into a corner with the roster he's created with uh, four top-heavy guys with Tavares, Nylander, Marner, and Matthews. You can't make a whole lot of changes when those guys collectively are making $41 million. Hey, it's Taz and Jim. Yeah, I call him Babcock. What do you think? I uh, couldn't be happier. What didn't you like about Babcock? Uh, pretty much everything. All his decisions. Um, game seven last year, sitting Matthews and putting Goche out there for third period when we when we need two goals. Goche scored like two goals all year, and I don't think Goche's going to score two goals in 20 minutes. And when, year, when it was announced Babcock was coming to the Leafs, were you excited then? Oh, for sure. Well, I didn't know what kind of coach he was, really. Like, uh, I just know he had, you know, success. But and then now I, I know he's just, uh, he's just the old school way of thinking. He won't change. And today's NHL with the young players, you got to adapt. You can't just uh, keep rolling the lines and hopefully things change. Uh, you got to think outside the box a little bit and uh, change with the times and change alignment. And he will not do that. Our game is not really meeting our expectations. We're we're. 
we're mistake prone on defense. Uh, the attention to details aren't there. And even the offense that our team, the explosive offense our team has, was known for, has been missing uh, for a while now. Oh, we're still talking about uh, Mike Babcock getting fired. One person who is not upset about Mike Babcock getting fired from the Toronto Maple Leafs, former NHL player Mike Commodore, who <laughs> was tweeting a lot about the situation yesterday, Jim. Hey, Mike Babcock, simply put, your players quit on you. They quit on you because you're a terrible human being. You're a le- you're an average coach with an extremely oversized ego. You finally got exactly what you deserve, you selfish jerk. The hockey world is ecstatic. Uh, hey, Mike Babcock, your national daily TV time is over. Finished. You are a fraud. Nobody gives an S what you have to say anymore. Let that sink in, you arrogant jerk. Uh, hey, Mike Babcock, you're a total failure in Toronto. Let that sink in, you arrogant jerk. <laughs> hey, Mike Babcock, the entire Maple Leaf organization has had it with you. The players in the entire front office are sick and tired of your arrogance, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I've been dreaming about this moment for years. This has been a long-running uh, issue with Commodore and Babcock. What is the deal here? Uh, like, he really hates him. If you go to the Wikipedia page uh, to read about Mike Commodore and uh, Babcock, Dev, you yeah. pull it up there. What does it read that? There's a little paragraph excerpt. that's fantastic. It says, following his retirement, Commodore has lashed out at Babcock multiple times, particularly on Twitter, where he constantly refers to the coach as a piece of S- Commodore has also said he hopes Babcock gets, quote, hit by a truck. <laughs> what could he, he have done that is that bad? Like, he's holding a lot of anger there. Yeah, I think there's a lot that went on behind the scenes, but what I got from an interview he did with a radio station a couple years ago when Mike Babcock was first signed with Toronto. First off, he was, uh, Babcock was a coach for Anaheim. Uh, Commodore was, a dra- or was signed with Anaheim. So he says, I show up to camp. I fight everybody in camp. I'm supposed to play when the season starts. I'm penciled in, but Mike Babcock has someone else he wants to play. Sends me down to the minors, carves me in the paper, says I showed up to camp out of shape, and I swear to God, I never showed up out of shape because I wasn't talented enough uh, to do it. So, basically, uh, he, he got scratched, went to the minors. Babcock said he was out of shape, trashed him in the media. Therefore, he thinks his chances of getting signed to another team were shot. So, uh, he, he gets signed with the Blue Jackets. They give him a huge contract. He gets bought out of that contract because they were way overpaying for him. So, again, he's looking for another NHL team. This time, it's Detroit. He gets a call from the GM of Detroit and says, Mike Babcock wants you on the team. He's like, Babcock? He, he hates me and I hate him. I was chirping him at a charity golf tournament not three months ago. <laughs> so Babcock calls him and says, call me, I want you on the team. He says, don't call me, call me, you're not my friend. <laughs> this is my Commodore is just this type of guy too, by the way. Uh, anyway, uh, he says, do you really want me on your team, Babcock, or not? Babcock says, we want you on the team. We want somebody to play with Lidstrom. Uh, we want to go deep in the playoffs. So Commodore's thinking, if I play with Lidstrom, I'm going to get 40 points. Uh, I, you know, my career's back on track. Uh, I'm going to probably get signed by another team. I'll be good to go. He gets injured in training camp before he starts with Detroit, misses the first couple of games, doesn't crack the lineup when he's healthy, gets scratched again. Uh, but anyways, a total train wreck. He winds up playing 17 games for Detroit in total, 11 minutes a night, and then he shipped off to Tampa Bay. And in his words, it was a complete disaster, and his career was over after that. So he blames Babcock for stringing him along. And, I, you know, he might have a complaint, but... It, 
he got injured. Well, and there's another thing. You know when like people always want to blame everybody but themselves, or they'll pick one person and that'll be the scapegoat for all the blame. Uh-huh. This is just one little peek into the behind the curtains here. He says, uh, uh he doesn't want to play me. Fine, don't play me. But I'm gonna come to the rink. I'm gonna run down the or run the stairs. I'm gonna practice as hard as he'll let me because he would always blow drills down when it was my turn. Like, what did that actually happen? Did Babcock always uh, stop the drills once once Commodore was gonna <laughs> rifle through them, or is is Commodore projecting? He gave him another chance. Uh, you know, like he gave him the call and said, "Hey, I want you to play for me." He didn't give up on him. You think that was just a big revenge plot? Like, he come and play for my team just so I can blow the whistle before you get a chance to skate. To the blue line, yeah. and, and if you read more and more of this transcript, like he thinks Babcock purposely ruined his career. I don't know what happened. Maybe he did, but I don't know. After he left Detroit, he went to Tampa Bay. He played 13 games with Tampa Bay. As far as I know, Mike Babcock wasn't working for Tampa Bay at the time. Mike Commodore lived the life of the journeyman defenseman who's like in the back half of the top six. And it's volatile, man. Sorry. And he made some good money doing it. Stuff happened. He, he somehow Columbus signed him to a five-year, eighteen million dollar contract. Yeah. He made twenty million dollars in his career, and he's as Jim said, he signed with Detroit after the Columbus thing happened. So I think he's already in the back nine of his career at that point. Probably the you know the last couple of holes anyway. So and admittedly didn't have the talent to come to camp unless he was in the best physical shape he could possibly yeah. be. <laughs> and he's like he's a scrapper. I think like he's a yeah, tough he's, guy. He's right? Tough guy. I mean, he's like he's he's the kind of defenseman that goes in the corners. He's the physical guy that you know uh-huh. clears out the front of the mm-hmm. net and, and plays that way. He's like he was like six four. He was huge. Like he's a, he's the big burly burly defenseman. Well, I don't want to say anything negative about Mike Commodore. <laughs> He's entertaining to follow on Twitter for sure. I've right. followed him for years. If you're on his good side. <laughs> I'm sure Mike Badcock doesn't find him that entertaining. Uh, yeah, I love this. Uh, you know when you like your bank account or any online uh, uh, dealings that you do, uh, you'll have a password. Mm-hmm. But if you forget your password or there's a two-step process to authenticate who you are, they will ask you security questions Mm -hmm. like, what was the name of your dog when you were younger? Or what is the street you grew up on? What is your mother's maiden name? Of course, yeah. JetBlue, the airline, is getting some heat because (laughs) one of their security questions is, what's the name of your favorite child? Your favorite. What is the name of your favorite child <laughs> is one of the security questions you can choose. Oh, man. I feel like that changes. It, depending on the day. Yeah, every year you're like, okay, Timmy's out. Well, your parents, they have six to choose from, yeah, right? Yeah, and I'm not the password answer, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, what is the name of your favorite <laughs> that child? Is so funny. Imagine you were in a situation where you had to call home. Yeah. yeah. You're at the airport and you're like, oh, I forgot my reservation number. <laughs> I better call home. Hey, mom, how are you? Ah, I need you to log into my JetBlue account. What's your password? I can't remember. Okay, it's asking for the name of your favorite child. Uh, I'll just take the bus. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> I know great. parents always say they don't have a favorite child, but is that even possible? Mm. 
it's tough. Like I've got two right now. I've got I've got my son who's almost three, and yeah. I've got a, a two month old daughter. I've known my son for longer. It'd be a slap in the face if you said your daughter was favored, or even even. I I, I just don't know her as well, <laughs> right? I haven't I mean, spent as much time with her. She can't even tell you what her favorite Marvel movie is at this point. <laughs> like you said, I, I do believe it'll change back and forth yeah. depending on what's going on but at the time. Just so your wife and son know if they ever listen to this, Grayson's your favorite child. Yeah, he can understand <laughs> what I'm saying right now on the radio, so if he's listening, he is definitely my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> he's got off the phone. A friend of mine called me. He's, he's driving to school his his daughter driving her to school and told me this story about something that happened to to this young girl yesterday she's a teenager mm-hmm. was at a mall here in london and she had just bought a new cell phone she took the cell phone to a store that sold cell phone cases and uh, kept checking the cell phone in her pocket because it's a new phone she was looking to buy a case for it and the people in the uh, the cell phone case store accused her of shoplifting. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I didn't shoplift. I don't have anything. And then she left the store. And a random woman, like not a woman who worked at the store, a random woman followed her out into the mall and went up to her and said, honey, I think you, you stole something. And she's like, I didn't steal anything. And then she went to back into the store, followed this woman back into the store. She's like, look, look, I didn't steal anything. Emptied all her pockets. She's like, I, I didn't steal. Yeah. And then the woman who doesn't even work at the store performed a pat down. Pardon? On this teenage girl. Is that not completely inappropriate? It's very inappropriate. I'm trying to think if this person was a secret shopper who followed her. But even if that was the case... Yeah. Are you allowed to just put your hands on a, on a kid? Well, uh, I just asked. I said, do, was this like, do you think this was a cover, like it was a sexual thing? They were using the, the shoplifting accusation as an excuse to, to feel you up, which, you know, sounds like something that maybe uh, a creep would try and do. Sure. They say no, but uh-huh. even so, you can't touch somebody <laughs> Like why? If you weren't a secret what? shopper, what what skin do you have in the game? Yeah, it, who do you seems... think you are to pat down a stranger? Yeah, it seems highly inappropriate, especially if they already took out, like you know, fanned out their pockets or whatever. Right. What? Like what? What? What are you gonna do? And I get it. People shoplift. Sure. Teenagers shoplift. I know that. Uh, I I tried to. I shoplifted probably three or four times when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, what? And then I got caught. Oh, oh no. I'd take like chocolate bars and stuff yeah. like that. And I got caught uh, and I ran out of the store and I never did it again. That's freaky. I didn't get caught, but they called me out on it and I just got yeah, out of it. Yeah, yeah. I'll I be never... honest. I stole a thing of bubble tape in grade nine once. Did you? I stole a five cent candy when I was like in kindergarten and my mom caught me and marched <laughs> me back into Becker's. <laughs> And I had to, oh, it was humiliating. And I had to go home and not be able to watch the movie with the rest of the family that night. And then years later, I stole bubble tape. Heart was pounding. Uh-huh. Not worth it. Still feel guilty still about feel it to guilty. this day. But then in college, I also stole a Hot Hot Heat CD. So I still... But now I haven't stole anything in a while now. You stole a Hot Hot Heat CD? I really... I don't know what I was thinking. Do you still have that CD? I do. 
You should take it back. Well, the record store, a CD store, is probably closed down. It, it wasn't a CD <laughs> store. It was like a guy in in call, like some vendor, which is worse. Mm. Yeah, just trying to make a living. Trying to make a living. And here comes sneaky Jim Kelly. People do steal. Yeah, a hundred percent. But if you're just another person shopping in the store, you cannot pat them down. Mm-hmm. Would you call the cops over something like that? If I was the, the kid or the parent? The parent. The parent? Is that going too far? I, I, I mean, at that point, it's hard. And what are the cops going to do? Not, not to blame the cops, but at that point, I mean, I guess they could go to the mall and look at the cameras, but yeah. it, when it comes down to it is, it, is it worth it? I don't know. And I guess we all have that, uh, you know, that hero mentality. Like, if you saw a guy running away from the security in the mall, you'd want to trip him, right? Uh-huh. But I don't, I don't think I'd ever pat down somebody or even think that I had the authority to do so. That's the Taz Show podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, you can tune in on the radio, 95.9 on the uh, dial in the London area. That's FM 96 or fm96.com.